I think it's one of those. It's just kind of like a little bit of a release, a little bit of a pressure valve that that you know, if I if I'm going and all of a sudden just like <sighs> Diz Runs Radio episode nine hundred and eighty one starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 here we are. Fall is in the air. September's drawing to a close, and that means it is time for a little listener Q&A. A little you ask, I answer, maybe with a little bit of luck, one or two answers today will actually be useful. I don't know. No promises, no guarantees. I guess you get what you pay for when you're asking for free advice, right? But uh, here we are uh, doing doing the thing. Doing the thing. If you're new around here and you haven't kind of put put it together yet, uh, this is something we do every month. The last Friday of each month is dedicated to listener questions and uh, my my answers, which again, hopefully useful, hopefully a little bit helpful. Although when we get some of the nonsense questions, well, you, you know, you ask nonsense questions, you get nonsense answers. So you know, all things, all questions are welcome. No topics off off uh, off limits for the the monthly Q and A episodes. And uh, if if you want to be part of asking questions, you can really ask me questions in any in any form or fashion, you know, social media, email, whatever. But I'm here to tell you that my various inboxes between Facebook inboxes and Twitter DMs and Instagram DMs and definitely Gmail inboxes, dumpster fires, disasters. You send me a question, I'm not going to lose it on purpose. But I'm not going to guarantee that it doesn't get lost in the shuffle somewhere. So if you want to get, make sure, if you want to ensure that your questions get answered in uh, whatever monthly Q&A that we might be on, the way to do it is to be, is to head over to the Facebook group. Join the Facebook group, uh, disruns.com slash Facebook, or the next time you're on Facebook, just, uh, you know, search for the Disruns tribe, click to join, um, and, and you know, come in and hang out, hopefully, enjoy enjoy the, the shenanigans that seem to happen there on a, on a pretty regular basis. But then in the middle of the month, about 10 days before the last Friday, so usually, you know, the middle one of the middle Wednesdays of the month, uh, put out a, a post that says, hey, what are your questions this month? Then uh, you just put your question in the comments, bada boom, bada bam, it's all, all of them then are in one place, they don't get lost, and uh, we have the, uh, the questions that... Uh, devolve into this episode. So that's the way to do it in the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook directs you right there and uh, have ha, just hang out with us. Have, have some fun. I like to think it's a good time at least, um, save for the fact that it's on Facebook, which isn't exactly my preferred cup of tea. Maybe it is more of a cup of tea as opposed to my preferred cup of coffee, but you know, it is what it is. The group is pretty great. So come hang out. And uh, then, you know, be ready for some questions. So here we go. We got we got a 20-something, not quite 30 this month, so we'll see. You know, the, the, this episode will be somewhere between, you know, like an hour and 20 minutes and like 14 hours. Uh, somewhere in that window is where we'll come in. Uh, we'll take it as long as it, as it is required. And the first question comes from Lisa, asks, how far are your short runs? So, Lisa, this is one of those questions that, like, not that I hate the question, but I hate answering it because it's all relative, right? What's what's long to me is short to somebody else. 
what's short to me is like, oh my God, I can't even imagine running that long to somebody else. And, and I hate to, to like put those type of, of definitive things out there without some type of long rambly disclaimer that says that, Hey, you know, whatever's long or short for you is fine. It's great. It, it does. It, it, what's long or short to me has no bearing on hopefully has no bearing on how you feel about your runs. Just like easy and, and hard, fast and slow. Like I, I am fully aware that a fast run for me is a slow run for somebody else. Probably people in the group, probably people listening right now, my fast is their slow. All right. And I'm also fully aware that for in, in some cases, probably people in the Facebook group, probably some people listening right now, that my slow is their fast. Again, that doesn't make anybody better, worse, whatever. We're just, we're, it's all relative. And so I'll answer your question, Lisa, don't worry, but I just want to make sure that, that I try to cover my bases as much as possible, that just because a run is what I would consider short for me, doesn't mean I would consider that short necessarily for anybody else. So for me, a short run would be probably two, two to three miles, something like that, um, which also is a little bit difficult to answer your question because I don't do very many two to three mile runs. My, my daily run, my, at least my Monday through Friday daily run for anybody who, who follows me on Strava or, or on Instagram where I tend to post the stats as well. Um, but if you follow me on Strava, you see that I run this, the pretty much the exact same map every single day, Monday through Friday. And it's 6.08 miles out my front door, round through my neighborhood, the tour of the neighborhood, and then back to the driveway, hit the stop button somewhere between 6.06 and 6.09, depending on if I stop it at my driveway or the neighbor's driveway. Um, but that's my daily run. I say all that to say this, I wouldn't consider that a short run for myself just because it's what I do every day. You know, like, like for me again, short run, two, three miles. Now for some folks, six miles, absolutely. You know, Dylan up in, uh, up in, in Maryland, uh, he does 15 miles every day. So six for him probably would be short and that's fine. You know, for some folks who, who, you know, that, that don't run as far or don't have as much time or whatever, you know, six, six miles, or, or maybe they're, they're mostly run, you know, 5k, 10ks, six miles is a, is a, is a Saturday long run. Maybe not even something you get to accept for on race day for a 10k. So, you know, for, for them, maybe one mile is a short run. Maybe one mile is a, is an average run. You know, it, it's all, it's all relative, but again, I, I, and I, I know I'm kind of belaboring it, but I just, the last thing I want is for somebody to hear this and be like, well, hell, like if he thinks six miles is a short run, like, what am I? You're a runner. You, you, you're a runner and, and where you're at right now, as far as how far you run is different than where I am. Cool. Not a problem. Not a problem. All right. And there were certainly times not in the not too distant past within certainly less than five years, probably th three years, maybe where like my, my average daily run was like three miles, three or four miles. Um, and so the idea of running six on a, on a random Tuesday morning, like, Ooh, that was, uh, I don't know, you know? So it, it's, it's a sliding scale. All right. But for me right now, where I'm at today, a short run, two or three miles, that would be considered short for me. Thank you for the question, Lisa. Hopefully I, I didn't, uh, screw up my answer too much to make anybody turn it off, but I appreciate your question. Uh, next couple coming from, uh, from the heartland from Ryan says, uh, what do you consider to be a good run or what factor do you hit and say that run was a success? Is it heart rate was good pace feel or just covering the mileage? So, um, Ryan, I, I you know, that's, that's a great question because I, I think you point out, or at least, at least what I get from your question is you, you recognize that there's a lot of factors that go into whether a run is good or bad. And I think that all the ones you mentioned absolutely count, you know, like 
the, the sad thing is, is that they don't all line up on the same, the same way every day, right? Like some days the heart rate is good and everything just feels good. Hey, that's a good run. You know, some days the heart rate's a little bit of a struggle or the legs don't feel great, but Hey, you got, I got the miles in, I'm ticking the box. I'm building my fitness towards my goals. Hey, you know, that still counts as a good run. Um, some days it's it, everything that you mentioned, you know, heart rate, pace, feel mileage. It's all just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but it's a good run because the dog only stopped to use the bathroom once. So I didn't have to stop a couple times to clean up after her. That's a good run. Um, yeah, just being honest, it is some days it's a good run because the podcast I pick is, is perfect. It's, it's, it's interesting to listen to the duration is perfect so that, you know, it covers me for the, 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 the entirety of my run. I don't have to like stop and pick up what, what's the next, like, well, I've got 30 minutes left. So that means I need to pick about an hour long podcast because you all know, I listen to my podcasts on two X. So, you know, trying to fit like, no, if, if I can start a podcast when I, when I'm getting ready to walk out the door and it's, and it's, you know, a, a two hour and, and 12 minute podcast or something like that, it's like, perfect. This one's going to cover me the whole way through. And it's going to wrap up just after I walk back in the door. Perfect. Um, another factor that would be a good run is, you know, if, if there happens to be uh, something good to take a picture of for the old scene on the run post and you know, you know what that, you know what that's going to be. If there's, if there's a toilet on the side of the road that, you know, that kind of makes it a good run for the day. So lots of factors that go into a good run. And, and, and maybe that's just me somewhat trying to convince myself that like pretty much every run has something good about it. Um, because you know, I'm not going to try to pretend like every run is great. Like it's not, there's, there's plenty of days where it's like, ugh, ugh, you know, but, but if I think about it hard enough, I can usually find something good, you know? And, and, um, and some days it takes a little more thought than others, but, uh, you know, more often than not, the runs are good in some form or fashion on a real good day. Everything kind of lines up with the heart rate, the pace, the feel, getting the miles, having a toilet dog only stopping once good podcast. Like those days are rare, but they do happen every once in a while. So, you know, lots of ways to, 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 to bleh, excuse me. Lots of ways to define a good run. So thanks for that question, Ryan. Another one from Ryan. Going to try more Tailwind. What are your flavor recommendations? Because I have no preference when it comes to certain flavors over others. So, um, well, here's 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 a chance to plug Tailwind, right? Like as far as as far as affiliate links, if you're going to buy Tailwind, Ryan or anybody else, um, and you're not going to get it from, if you can get some stuff from the local running store, hey, I'm cool with that. Support the local guy. If you're going to buy it online and have it sent to your house. I mean, you can get it from, from Amazon or you can get it from Tailwind. And if you get it from Tailwind using my link, then I get a little commission. So, you know, not that it's much, like it's literally like a dollar, but Hey, it's a dollar. I'll take it. It doesn't cost you an extra dollar. So disruns.com slash Tailwind is the link. And uh, I think if you buy, if you buy very much, if you buy much at all, you get free shipping. So, you know, you got that as well. So that, that can kind of counterbalance the, the Amazon free shipping situation. But as far as, so, so there we go, plug in, plug in a, an affiliate link there. I think we got another one coming up in a, in a little bit from another question. We'll see if, if memory serves, but um, you know, when it comes to, to flavors for tailwind, you know, I mean, it's your mileage may vary because what, what's good for me may or may not be, be certainly be good for anyone else. I, I certainly recognize that. Um, I'm a fan of the, the, the orange, like the Mandarin orange and the lemon, lemon lime or lemonade or whatever it's called. Um, the only negative with those two is they don't have caffeine in them. All right. Which, which, I mean, you know, a lot of sports drinks don't, but Tailwind does have some flavors that have caffeine before I get to those though, the orange and the lemon lemonade or lemon lime or whatever it's called real good. And one time when I was running with my double barrel 
uh, you know, two different bottles, two bottles of, of, uh, fluids on my, on my, in my orange bud pack, I had orange in one bottle, the lemonade in the other. And then, you know, after a certain point, they were about half empty or half full or however you want to look at it. And so I combined them into the same bottle. That was legit. The orange lemon citrusy blend of tailwind. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of that, that combo. So there you go. If you want to get a little bit crazy, a little mad scientisty, mix up a bottle of both, switch them around, combine them or, or mix them on the, on the trail halfway through. Good to go there. Um, as far as the caffeine flavors go, the caffeine ones to like the non-caffeinated flavors to me, they're all, they're all fine. All right. You know, I like some better than the others, but they're, they're all fine. The caffeine ones are like a lot more hit or miss. Like some of them are good, good ish, you know, as far as fake flavor goes. Right. Cause let's not kid ourselves. It's all just fake flavor. Um, but the green tea one, I like that. The fruit punch is okay. Um, but some of the other ones just taste too, too fake for me to handle. Um, but I say all that to say this, I know some people that like absolutely love the cola or absolutely love the, the berry buzz or whatever it's called. Those are two that I'm like, ugh. so, you know, maybe the best option is to get a variety pack and try, try a little bit of, of each of them and kind of figure out if there's some that you, that you do end up preferring over others. And then you can just get the ones that you, that you like. Um, I will also put a plug in for the naked flavor, which is supposed to be flavorless. I don't necessarily think it is, but it's, it's a very like low key flavor. And so that's one that you can either mix in with another flavor. If, if, if you find that they're, they're too intense for you flavor wise and kind of bring them down a little bit. Um, or, you know, just kind of, if you want something that's just more or less flavorless, the naked, the naked's not bad. I've heard a lot of hate about the naked flavor. I think that's what it's called. It's just, it's just flavorless, of course. Um, but I'm, I'm a fan of it to be quite honest. So, you know, again, your mileage may vary. I would, I would say, get the, get the variety pack first. And then, you know, kind of narrow down what you like, what you don't like. And then you can just, you know, get those certain flavors as you go. But if you're going to get them, Ryan, disruns.com slash tailwind. Not saying, just saying. Last question from the Heartland, at least for, till we get to some more, more Heartland folks down the, down the list. Uh, for fun, what actor or actress do you watch their movies or shows, no matter how out of your movie preference it might be? Or maybe a favorite director. Tarantino movies for me. So, um... At first, at first blush, I was going to be like, yeah, dude, you're right. Tarantino movies for sure. Um, and then I started to think about it and I haven't seen a Tarantino movie since Kill Bill 2. So not that, not that I haven't wanted to, I just like, in case, you know, those that haven't paid attention over, over the, uh, the years, maybe more so even on Friday fives, but like, I don't get out much for movies. Um, I don't, I don't watch much pop popular television really. Um, still, still thinking about starting the office, but haven't gotten there yet. Um, you know, so that's, that's like, like, you know, eventually I get to things theoretically. Um, so, so I don't really have a good answer, you know, like, like there's a lot of people I like as far as actresses and, and actors and, and even directors or genres. Um, but like nothing that I go out of my way to see. I mean, I haven't, I, you know, even pre-pandemic, I don't think I'd been to a movie theater in five years. So I guess what am I seven years now? Oh, actually, I did go see Greatest Showman. My sister and her husband wanted us to go one time, and they were in town, and so my parents were babysitting, and we went, and it was just like, okay, like, eh. 
So, but, but whenever that came out, that was like four years ago, right? That was the last movie I've seen in the theater. And, and before that, I think I saw Lincoln was probably the last movie I saw in the theater before that one, which I mean, when was that? That was seven, eight, ten years ago. I, I don't know. So, so yeah, all that to say, um, I, I don't, there's things I like, but I don't tend to, to go out of my way to watch them even if I want to. So it's a fun question. I'm just not a fun guy. Ha ha. So I don't have a fun answer for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like I said, at first glance, maybe Tarantino, um, maybe McConaughey, you know, like, but again, I haven't seen any, any of McConaughey's stuff in, I mean, in, I can't even remember like the last new McConaughey thing that I saw. You know, I know he's been in several movies and I like, I like Maddie Mac a lot. Um, but like not enough to go to a movie. So I don't know. I don't know. Sorry to let you down, my man. But uh, great questions. Thanks for chiming in, Ryan. Appreciate you. Next, uh, next couple questions from also from the Heartland, but a little bit farther south from Hilda. Uh, do you have a pre-race ritual that you have to follow? So, this is this is one of those where where I think that the I'm going to claim technicalities of the wording choice, Hilda, and say no. But you all know I have my pre-race rituals. You all know that I'm a creature of habit. I love my routines, and so like I do have you know, kind of pre-race, race day, race night before routines that I follow in terms of diet and nutrition, in terms of kind of just warming up and, and trying not to get to the race start too early. I like to get there as close to the start of the race as possible. Um, but all that being said, where, where, my, where I say no to your answer is that I don't necessarily have to follow them. Like I'm, I'm type B minus enough is, is again, is something I've, I've defined several times recently that, that like, I just, you know, whatever. So like if, if something goes a little bit sideways, if, if, if something that I would prefer to have the night before or something that I would prefer to do or have the morning of, um, if, if something doesn't line up perfectly for my, my preferred routine, like, okay, whatever, we'll roll with it. Um, so I, I think that I have pre-race rituals that I would prefer to follow. As far as, you know, playlist, like I don't even have a playlist, but like just as far as making sure I've got something to listen to and the headphones are charged and everything's charged. The watch is charged and the heart rate monitor is good to go. Like, like, you know, the water bottles are filled, like all of the things that, you know, are, are ideal. But if something's a little bit off, you know, whatever, it's all good. Um, sometimes that B minus personality trait is not a positive, but I think this situation it is because there's nothing, nothing worse from a running perspective than having something little be a little bit off on, on race morning or the night before and have it throw you in a tizzy and, and start questioning everything mentally, which I know can happen. I know can happen to a lot of folks. I know it has happened to a lot of folks. And so I think having a ritual or routine that you prefer, but that you're not required to follow is maybe, maybe the ideal. And I'm definitely in that, in that situation. So, you know, it's the, it's the chicken, it's the yogurt, a little bit of fruit the night before, maybe a little bit of fruit, definitely some coffee in the morning. Um, you know, have the, have the pack lined up and, and, uh, you know, with, with whether it's starting with water or starting with tailwind, probably starting with water, having a tailwind to mix in halfway through the way. Um, good to go. Good to go. Perhaps though, I should have a better pre-race ritual about making sure I have my shoes with me on race day. Although again, that's only happened once. So we'll call it a fluke until it becomes a trend. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's, there's room for a little more defined ritual there. I don't know. You be the judge. Uh, but uh, great question, Hilda. And, and definitely, you know, for those those of you that 
maybe feel like you need to have a, a, a more dialed in ritual, like that's fine. Just dial it in so that you're not uh, kind of last minute putting things together. And that's where something gets forgotten, like your shoes at your hotel room. Uh, another question from Hilda. Do you get how, I'm sorry. How do you get through the, the quote unquote, this sucks period of your long runs? I get to a point in a marathon or a long run that I think, oh, I'll just walk a bit. This hurts. I ain't got nothing to prove, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that is, that is a great question, Hilda. And it's something that certainly I struggle with. Certainly I, I still struggle with. Um, and I don't, I don't know that there's a, a, a guaranteed, like I always do this situation or this answer for it. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I think that for me having company on the long run helps. So I, I run with, uh, as I've mentioned a few times, I've got a, a, a person in town and one of my, my athletes that I coach who also happens to live like four miles away from me. So we, we kind of have this blurred line of like, like coach athlete, but also running partner friend situation, um, which is, which is a fun dynamic because she calls me out on stuff all the time and I call her out on stuff all the time. Um, but, uh, we run together most long runs. And so having that company helps, um, doesn't always make it more fun, but at least like, I'm not just going to like let her drop me. Uh, of course she could drop me if she wanted to step on the gas, but I'm not just going to let her drop me, uh, when we're just cruising along. Uh, and I'm not going to try to slow her down because I know she's got stuff to get on with on her day. Just like I've got stuff to get on with on my day when we finish our run. So having a running partner definitely helps because hopefully we're not both in a, this sucks period at the same time. You know, we might both get there on the same day, but if, if I'm at a, this sucks early and she's there late or vice versa, then we can kind of support each other to just, you know, keep going and, and keep talking or whatever and, and get through it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think also for me sometimes, like if, I, especially if I'm by myself, like music is a game changer. So I, I, I usually listen to podcasts or, or audio books or something like that at the beginning of a run. But if I get into a rough spot, I just, you know, put the music on. So it kind of gives me a little extra boost. kind of turns the brain off a little bit more. I don't have to think anymore. I'm just listening to the music and I can just go. Uh, so that, that can help. Um, you know, in, in, as Kate would tell you, um, she knows when I'm, when I'm in a, this sucks point because I, I, I do my horse noises. So like, like, which is, which is a dumb thing to say, but like, I just got, and, and like, that's when I'm kind of frustrated or tired or just kind of, and, and the reason I mention that and whether that's, whether that's making a horse noise or screaming or, or whatever, sighing, like whatever, I think it's one of those, it's just kind of like a little bit of a release, a little bit of a pressure valve that, that, you know, if I, if I'm going and all of a sudden just like, it just kind of like, it's, it just, it just serves as a bit of a release. And so, you know, that, that's not anything, um, you know, particularly in depth or, or, or earth shattering, but you know, if you can, if you can just have some type of, of pressure release valve, whether it's a noise, whether it's, you know, swinging your arms or, or whatever, those types of things can help to just kind of, all right, get through, um, hopefully release some of that pent up. This sucks. And then you can keep, find it a little bit easier to keep going, but, um, it's, it's a mixed, mixed bag. It's a moving target. Some days, you know, a little bit of a walk. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I don't walk a little bit during a long run, especially if I'm running by myself again, that's where having a partner. Cause Kate's going to keep dragging me. Um, so we don't walk as much. I mean, we, we might walk a little bit here and there, but I, I walk more when I'm running by myself than I do when I'm with her. That's for sure. So, you know, maybe like it, it's just, it's just figuring out that right mix for you. Um, but definitely, you know, the, this sucks period, like hopefully it's short. Hopefully it's not uh, something that, that, 
you know, you're, you're into before the run starts and you're still there when your run finishes. Cause those, those runs really suck. Um, but if you, if you do find that happens once in a while, Hey, you know, congratulations, you're a human, you're a runner, uh, happens to all of us from time to time, but figuring out the right mix of releases and ways to get through it for you. Like that's, that's, I think the, the, the goal easier said than done, but something to work towards. So good luck with that Hilda. Um, and glad that you're back to doing long enough runs where you get to a, this sucks point, because I know it's been, it's been a struggle the last year or so for you. Um, so glad to see that you're back, uh, to, to log in some longer miles and, uh, having to deal with a, this sucks portion once in a while. Uh, next question from Barb, how would you build an ideal taper key components and practices? Your body will appreciate and respond well to when race day rolls around. So, uh, great, great question, Barb. The, the problem is that I don't know that there is, oh gosh, this is, and this is going to sound like I'm, like I'm so cliche for me or whatever, but like, to me, the idea of an ideal taper is like a one size fits all taper. And, and clearly I'm not going to go down a, oh, well this, this is the, this is how taper should look for everybody. Like the ideal taper is the same thing as the ideal training plan, right? It's, it's going to be different for each person based on how the training has been going based on the personality of the runner, based on the goals for the race. Like there's, there are factors that are going to turn, you know, depending on how those, those different factors play themselves out, how the different knobs are turned, that's going to impact what I would consider would be the ideal taper for that person. Uh, you know, universally across the board, if we're talking about a taper, we're, we're talking about some, some level of reduction of workout stress. So probably typically fewer miles, uh, maybe cutting down on speed work. Now you may or may not eliminate it completely, but you're probably not going to do some just brutal killer workout, some like five or eight mile tempo run or some, you know, 10 by, you know, 400 meters or 10 by, you know, some, some epic hard hill repeats or, or sprints or things like that. You're probably not going to want to do those things in, in the week or two leading up to your race, which would be that kind of taper period, because you're not getting much of a benefit from it as far as, physiologically, your body's not going to adapt to those stimuli to adapt to those, those demands before the race hits. So you're not getting the payoff for that workout until after the race, which kind of defeats the purpose. And of course, anytime you're doing a real hard workout, there's more of a, there's more stress on your body. So there's more likely, you know, slightly higher increased risk of, of injury or, or niggles or things like that, which are also trying to avoid in the taper. So, so, you know, uh, either, either eliminating or really toning back, you know, maybe hitting a little bit of effort, a little bit, you know, some strides or a couple of short repeats, something like that, just to, just to kind of crank the engine. Um, th- those could be okay. I don't know that I would class those ideal or something that everybody should really consider. I think the reduction in mileage, that makes sense, right? Cause you're, you're giving your body a break, allowing your body to recover a little bit and rejuvenate and refresh before you go out for the race. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of that, it, there's a lot of moving parts, you know, if, if you, for some people that, that are running, you know, six days a week, they might take a couple of days off during the taper, maybe not run, maybe, maybe do a little bit of cross training instead. So a little bit of different, like just easy cross training, but something that doesn't stress the body, but still gets a little bit of movement. Uh, maybe they're going to do a little bit of extra foam rolling or some yoga or some type of, of, you know, more specific recovery type of work instead of when they're running. So in the, in the same time, while the, you know, w- maybe at the same time of day when they would run, but instead of running, they're going to do focus more on 
a longer yoga session or a little bit more intentional foam rolling. That would work. That would make sense to me. Um, the, the big thing is, is as far as running goes, how much you run during your taper kind of just depends on how much you need to avoid going crazy. So, so I, you know, we, we've talked about the taper crazies a, a few times in the past, something that, that gets mentioned here and there during the taper, you start getting all up in your head. Well, hopefully the runs can kind of serve as that pressure release, um, to, to avoid too much second guessing and too much, oh my gosh, I'm losing all of my fitness or I haven't run, run very long. And, okay. You know, I, I only ran 10 miles last week and am I going to be able to run my marathon? Like, yes, if you tra- you know, yes, it's not, it's not going to impact you. So, so keeping, keeping enough running to keep your mind from getting in your way. Good idea. Pushing too much that you're, that you're inhibiting your body's ability to recover, to refresh, to rejuvenate. Bad idea. Um, what does that exactly look like? It depends. It depends. And I hate to always answer questions with it depends. And there's going to be a lot of those throughout the rest of the questions today, but it really does. It really does. Um, cut your mileage back is a good general rule. Dial back the intensity a little bit of, of any like normal workouts that you would do. Probably not a bad idea as well. Um, focus on recovery, focus on diet, nutrition, sleep, um, hydration, and, and hopefully that combination puts you in that best position to, uh, to be ready to go on race day, to be ready to go on race day. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. And, and, you know, so many other life factors, work, families, all that stuff also impacts the taper. So you gotta just, you gotta be willing to adjust a little bit, just like with any part of your plan, you gotta be willing to adjust a little bit based on the circumstances, uh, and, and just keep your goal in mind, recover, refresh, be ready to go and then do the things that kind of make sense to try to help make that happen. But, uh, thank you for the question, Barb. Next question from the West Coast. Thessaly asks, do you keep a journal, running or otherwise? If so, how do you stay consistent with it? If not, why not? No, no, I do not keep a journal. Um, Probably because every time that I've tried, I can't figure out a way to keep myself consistent with it. So I've, I've tried various you know, journaling apps or, you know, just pen and paper, which would probably be my, my go-to when I, when I go with a pen and a paper, my struggle is that I don't know what to write. Like, like, especially if it's just like a blank notebook journal. Um, I don't do, I don't do well with like really specific questions, but I don't do well with just a blank page and just write down whatever you're thinking. Like, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not thinking anything. So I have not like, like, it's, it's just, it's just awkward for me. I've never been a journaler, um, running or otherwise, you know, I guess, I guess maybe Strava counts as my journal, but I don't like, I very rarely put any notes or any ad- additional information in there. So it's just, you know, I mean, it, it, morning run, morning run, morning run, morning run. Um, so it's, it's to call it a journal would be a disservice to anybody who actually journals. So no, I don't. And, and again, the biggest, the biggest factor is I I can't figure out how to stay consistently engaged with it. Um, because I don't really know what to write very often. Um, so I don't know. I, I, it just doesn't really, doesn't really click for me. Um, so, so there you go. I, I I don't know. I don't know which way to read into it. If, if, if you're a journaler and you struggle to be consistent, um, but if it, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for me. So you're in company, good company or bad company. That's, that's for you to decide. Uh, but thank you for the question, Milady. Next question from Kenton cardiac drift during long runs. It seems like at around the two hour mark, my heart rate tends to drift upwards. Should I continue to run at the current pace? If the effort feels the same 
or should I slow down and keep the heart rate steady? So um, here comes the, the smart asked answer to your question, Kenton, and then we'll, we'll get into the real question or, or real answer, I guess. Um, but I guess the first thing to consider, and I'm assuming this is the case since you're asking the question, but like, are you training based on like heart rate training zones or heart rate training principles? If so, like, yeah, you want to keep your heart rate where you want it to be. If not, who like, then who cares? Like, then who cares? I guess, you know, if you don't care about your heart rate zones, then who cares what your, that your heart rate's drifting. Right. So I'm assuming, and again, that's kind of, kind of a little smart assy little, little way of getting at it. But I'm assuming that since you're asking, you are doing some heart rate training, whether it's, it's exclusive, whether it's 80, 20, whatever it is, you know, like you're trying to keep your heart rate in the, in the zone. And as you go on your long run, it drifts up and that's, that's totally normal. It totally happens. Um, it happens to everybody. Like, I don't care who you are, how highly trained you are, how many decades of heart rate training you've been doing. Um, now obviously the more trained you are, the longer you've been doing this, or maybe not obviously in theory, the longer you've been doing this, the longer that, that you've been practicing it and maintaining your heart rate and low stress and yada, 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 the drift is going to be smaller, but it's always going to be there. It's just, it's just a natural part of fatigue of generating more body heat, potentially generate more heat from the environment as well as especially, you know, certainly in the summertime, but maybe even, you know, this time of year is if you start your run early in the morning, you start your run at six o'clock in the morning, like the environmental heat isn't a factor, but you get two hours in, you get to eight o'clock, the sun starts to come up. Certainly down here in the South, you know, once, once the sun comes up, yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit more of a factor. So that's going to help to, not going to help you, but it's going to help to increase your heart rate. Um, but, but it's just, it's just a buildup of fatigue. I mean, it, like it, it's going to happen in the dead of winter. It's going to happen in the dead of summer, but there's, there might be other factors that influence it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but if, 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 if heart rate is your goal, you're trying to stay within a certain zone or underneath a certain, certain upper end limit. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to say that you should definitely always never vary on this. But like, if that's, if that's the, the philosophies and the principles that you've bought into, um, yeah, you're probably going to want to slow down a little bit to keep your heart rate where, where you want it to be. Um, but, but maybe the, 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 I don't want to say the better answer, but, but maybe there's a third answer. So you kind of say, you know, should I keep going at the same pace? Um, even though my heart rate's up or should I slow down to keep my heart rate where I want it to be? Maybe there's a third answer out of that dichotomy. And, and maybe that's something that, kind of lines itself up with when you, when you're starting your, your long run during those first couple hours, bring your pace down, bring your effort down to a a level where your heart rate's not right up at the ceiling. Right. So, so I'm just going to throw numbers out there. Say you're you're, to to try to prove my point, because I don't know if that made any sense, but like, let's say you're trying to keep your heart rate between 130 and 150 beats per minute, like whatever that that's the zone that you're working at. Like that's where you want to be doesn't mean that you have to be there a the whole way. So you could start out with a heart rate in the one twenties. And then as it drifts, it drifts up into that zone into, into the the later part of your run. Great. Um, say you want to be, you say you really do want to be in that zone the whole way, which I would argue that that's a little bit over planning, but Hey, we're runners. We tend to over plan things. Um, so instead of starting out at one forty five and trying to keep it there the whole way, start out at one 131. You're in your zone. All right. And, and yes, you could be running faster, but if you know your heart rate's going to drift as you go and you really do kind of want to try to maintain pretty steady pace the whole way through, 
you start out at 130 and it kind of stays there, stays at 130, 132, 133 for the first couple hours. Then as it starts to drift, it goes, you know, 132, 136, settles in at 140 for a bit. Maybe you keep going. Maybe you're at a three-hour three, three mark now. Now it's up to 142, 144. You're still underneath 150, right? So you're still in the right zone. You're not having to really adjust your pace too much. The drift isn't moving you outside of the, the effort area that you want to be. To me, that's kind of the, the best of both worlds. Maybe not surprising. That's kind of what my long runs usually look like. I usually start out in the in the one teens and the one twenties, even though my upper limit that I try to stay under is one forty one, um, and then it just it just kind of you know over the course of the run it starts to to pick up a little bit, um, but rarely does it go out of the zone. If it does for a few beats when we're going up the one hill in town, like oh okay, whatever, no big deal. Um, but but you know usually by then it's it's you know three hours in three and a half hours in like we're getting close to being finished like I'm not I'm not super worried about it but so maybe that that doesn't maybe that means that I'm, I'm hypocritical which surprise surprise I'm hypocritical but you know I, I just think that that starting off low and letting it build without really like starting off right at that cusp like like it's not like I'm starting off at you know 135 and then when I drift I'm up into the 150s right like. I might drift to 144. All right. Well, like it's, it's a few beats, but it's not that it's like, I don't know. I'm not going to split hairs that much. Um, so, so maybe there's, maybe there's a gray area in there for you, Kenton is what I'm trying to say, where you can start at a, at a lower effort level at the beginning of your run. And then as it does drift up, which again, totally normal, it's just part it's just physiology. Like it's, it, it happens. Um, you're going to, you're going to, have enough wiggle room that it can drift up a little bit. You can finish your run and not have to dramatically worry about slowing down, taking a walk break, cutting your pace or saying the hell with it and letting your numbers just skyrocket. So I don't I, you know. You figure out what works best for you, but that's, that's, I think the way I would go at it instead of a one or the other, like you, you pose in the question. So hope all that makes sense. Uh, next question. Another one from Kenton. Would you consider doing an inside tracker test just once and sharing your results? I know you're on a low carb, high fat diet, and I'm curious what your biomarkers say. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I would consider doing it. Um, doesn't mean it's going to happen though. And, and, you know, and not because I care, like, I don't care, um, about sharing my, my numbers or my data or anything like that. Like, like it, it really doesn't matter to me. Um, which is probably why I bought a test like five years ago and still haven't gotten it done. Like, I don't even know if it's still, uh, still allowable. Like, I don't know if I could go to my inside tracker account and be like, yeah, I bought this test back in, you know, 2015 or 2016. And, you know, I'm finally ready to, to get the blood draw. Like, I don't even know if that would, if that works or if there's, if, if I'd have to buy a new one, um, I can tell you if I have to buy a new one, I like, I would consider doing it. I'm probably not going to, cause I don't care that much. Uh, if it's, if, if my test that I already bought is still valid, I would consider doing it. Um, but it's been five years now that I've been too lazy to make an appointment and go and do it. And I would be disingenuous if I was going to say that like, oh yeah, like, like I'll make it happen. Like I'm probably not going to make it happen. Um, I would be interested in seeing my biomarkers too. I just, I'm not interested enough to like care to do it, which is maybe a terrible way of answering the question or maybe, but it's, it's an honest way of answering the question. So it, maybe it's a terrible mindset. Um, but yeah, I think my biomarkers are fine, but I don't know. 
I mean, like, like I think they are because I feel good. I'm, I'm running better than I ever have. I'm feeling better than I pretty much can, can ever remember feeling just as far as general life, fitness, energy levels are good. Um, like things are good. Doesn't necessarily mean all my numbers are great. I recognize that. But like, eh, you know, one of these days, I, I keep telling myself one of these days, I'll go get the test. One of these days, I'm going to write another book. You know, run it, one of these days, I'm going to do a lot of things. Um, so yeah, one of these days I'll do it. And when I do it, I'll share my results. Um, just word to the wise, Kenton, don't hold your breath. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Feel free to keep chiming in and asking every month. Um, but as we know about the book situation, that doesn't ex- exactly mean that I'm going to like make it happen anytime quicker. Right. So, so yeah, I'd consider it. I'd absolutely consider it. Sure. I, I'm considering it right now. <laughs> Thank you for the questions, my friend. Next, uh, next couple of questions from uh, from Mona. Uh, her her typical three or four or five question block. Here we go. First one. I have heard about the second wind. I bet you have too. Have you ever experienced it? What does it actually feel like? Is it particularly in long runs only that one might feel it? So, um, yeah. I mean, of course, I definitely have heard about catching your second wind, and I definitely feel like I've experienced it a couple times. And and I think that that how I understand the second wind, Mona, kind of means that it, yeah, it kind of really only is going to happen on on long runs because um, the way I feel it, or at least the way I would say that I have experienced it, is that you run for a while and things are going fine, and then you know, kind of almost like to Hilda's question, you get to the point where like this really sucks, um, where you're tired, your body hurts, like, ugh, it's just terrible, um, but then if you keep going and if you're lucky, cause it doesn't always happen. Some days you just keep grinding and it just continues to suck and that's it. Um, but some days you keep going and you kind of come out of it and, and all of a sudden things feel pretty good again. The body feels good. The mind is, is clear. The running pace settles back in or picks back up or you're feeling good. Um, and, and like all of that, this sucks kind of just disappears. And so I feel to me, that's, that's catching your second wind. Um, and, and I don't feel like for me personally, and again, this is going back to long and short, right back to Lisa's question at the very beginning. Like, I don't feel like running for five or six miles in my neighborhood in the morning is long enough for me to go through that cycle of this is really good. Oh God, now this sucks. And and I'm going to just keep kind of grinding through. And then all of a sudden, oh man, now all of a sudden this is feeling pretty good. Um, you know, there's been times uh, during those, those, you know, six milers or those daily runs where it started off and I just haven't really wanted to. And by the time I got going for a bit, I felt better. I wouldn't classify that as a second win. That's just kind of working out the kinks at the beginning or, or, you know, kind of just, you know, just doing it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me when in the longer runs where it starts off good, it gets bad and then it gets good again. To me, that's, that's kind of the second win. Um, and it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen. I don't want to say it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen every long run for sure. Um, maybe not even the majority of my long runs, but it happens often enough that like, there's times when it's just like, Oh, all right. Well, like that was rough for a while, but like, I'm, I'm good again now. All right, let's keep going. And who knows how long it lasts, but, but it happens for me. Maybe I'm missing the boat. Maybe there's, there's something else to it. Maybe, maybe some people would disagree with that or have different takes on it. Um, but that's, that's my subjective take on second wind. Uh, next question. Have you heard of low iron in runners? Absolutely. 
uh, says, I've got my, I got my blood test done and now I'm on a supplement. The hemoglobin is great, but the iron levels are low. Doctors think it's due to rigorous exercise. Now I'm eating spinach every day and I might turn, turn to Popeye. But as a coach, have you ever, or has any of the runners that you coach gone through similar issues? So, um, definitely heard of it. <laughs> Going back to Kenton's question. I don't know if I've ever gone through it because you know, I, I don't test my blood. So who knows? Um, as far as other runners that I'm coaching going through it, I don't off the top of my head. I can't remember anybody who's like straight up been like, Hey, I got my, my blood tested. My iron levels are, are way down. It very well could have happened almost very, almost probably has happened, but I don't exactly remember. Um, obviously, you know, it, 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 not obviously a lot of times increasing your iron levels back up, um, is actually, you know what? I do remember a couple times where this has happened. Um, but diet, diet, you know, is, is, is a thing to try to help, help with, uh, making sure that, that, um, you're, you're, whether it's spinach, whether it's red meats, whatever, you know, different ways of, of, of adding more iron to the diet. One thing that, that I don't know, I don't remember the details on, but I know I've heard this from various places. So it makes me think that, and not just from like certain sects of like dietary advice, but like kind of, you know, from, from the, the paleo people, from the, the more vegetarian plant-based type of people from, from kind of everywhere is that when it comes to supplementation, even, even when you're supplementing by eating more spinach, um, but there's a difference between supplementing and your body absorbing. So you might want to do some, do a little bit of check-in, do a little bit of research, maybe ask your doctor, whatever, um, about if there's other things that you need to be eating with your iron. And again, this isn't me leading somewhere. I don't specifically remember, but I, I feel like I've heard where you can eat all the iron you want, but if you don't have this certain vitamin or this certain mineral also coming in the diet at the same time, your body won't absorb and utilize a lot of that iron. And same thing with a lot of vitamins and minerals. If you're not, you know, there's a lot of, of like, um, I don't know, not, not cohabitation, but like a lot of cooperative is still not quite the word I want, but like a lot of, a lot of mutually beneficial relationship. Again, I don't know the word. I know y'all are screaming the right word and I, I, it's, it's not coming right now, but, um, you know, where, where you, you want this vitamin or mineral, but you also have to have it with whether it's fats or whether it's another vitamin or whether it's another mineral or whatever that, that breaks it down or, or allows it to transport or allows it to break through the, the different barriers, um, so that your body can actually utilize it. So you could like, again, trying to say here, you could be eating all the liver or all the, all the spinach or all the broccoli or all the, whatever you want. Uh, but if you're not getting whatever that other thing is that I think there is something related to iron, your body's not going to process it very much. Or it's going to only process a minimal amount. So your, your, your numbers might bump up a touch, but a lot of it's just passing through. So just something to, to think about. And again, that, that covers any vitamin or mineral that you might, that, that you or anybody Mona might be, might be supplementing. Um, a lot of times there's, there's, it's, it's less about one specific mineral or vitamin and more about kind of how everything plays together. So it's just something to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, supplementation is, is good. If it gets really, really bad, I've, I've known some folks that have gone for like an iron transfusion, which is basically like, like kind of like a, a blood, a, a blood situation where they draw some of your blood out and then mix it in with, I don't know if it's other blood that's, that's got more iron into it, or I don't know, or an iron solution. I don't know exactly all the details about it, but then your blood comes back in and it's got a lot more iron. Um, hopefully you can, you can correct it through the diet. Um, but yeah, 
you know, just being aware again, maybe, maybe it's, maybe, maybe this is uh, in, in cahoots with Kenton and, and trying to convince me that I should go get my inside tracker test. Um, but just, you know, being aware, then you can take some, some steps to try to, to mitigate or balance things out. Um, so it sounds like you're on that path, which is good, which is good. Uh, next question from Mona. I'm skipping the warmups these days. Cause I frankly don't like them. How crucial is warming up? Can one get away with just jogging the first mile or so? Do you really do them every single morning? So, um, you know, I mean, like the warm up is is important. It, it is important. And and can you get away with just you know an, an easy an easy first mile? Like, sure, ish. Um, you know, just like you could you could get away with with you know a, a lot of things. Just like you could get away with. Um, I don't know what what am I trying to think of different examples of you know doing something kind of halfway right? Like, like you could get away with putting, you know, the cheapest gas possible in your, you know, turbo, you know, Lamborghini, right? Like it, you get away with it. Like, is it going to be optimal? Is your, is that engine of that $500,000 car going to just purr? Probably not. Um, you know, so, so like, like you can get away with not doing any type of warm up other than just going out and running easy for the first mile. I mean, that's, that's what I did for, eight years, nine years, something like that. Um, and it was quote unquote fine. Um, do I, do I feel like doing the warm up every day is better? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I do it. Um, now, now, you know, gun to my head. Do I do the warm up every single day without fail? No. Do I do the warm up, which is for me, the, the, the lunges and the leg swings. Do I do that? 90% of the time? I think so. I don't track it, but like, did I do it this morning? Yes. Did I do it yesterday morning? Yes. But the only time I don't do it is if it's a day when I oversleep a little bit and because I have to be back at a certain time to help Addy get ready for school and get the girls out the door on time. It's like, all right, well, I could get my normal six mile loop in, or I could do my, my warm up and then have to try to figure out how to get back to the house at four and a half miles. And so on those days, I'm like, eh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll skip it today. But again, I mean, that's, that's maybe once every couple of weeks, you know, I mean, it's not often. So, so yeah, I mean, I do, I do my, my lunges and my, my leg swings. And some days I might do more. Some days I might do less again, depending on how much time I have or, or things like that. Um, but I do it every day because it helps to wake up my legs. It helps to lubricate my joints. It helps to wake up my glutes, helps to, to get my body moving and so that, that first mile, like I don't have to just kind of jog through it. Like, not that I'm attacking the first mile, but like I can get out the door and go. And so I think it's, for me, it's crucial. You know, if, if you want to skip it, that's fine. My advice would be to figure out a warm up that you enjoy. You know, if, if you hate doing the lunges and the leg swings, don't do the lunges and the leg swings. Do so, you know, there's, there's a dozen probably more than that. There's probably thousands of different types of pre-run warmups that you could do from calisthenics to, to jumping jacks to, um, you know, different leg circles, different other movements, um, walking up and down some, a couple flights of stairs in the house, even, you know, just anything that gets your body moving a little bit, gets your, gets your muscles warmed up. Uh, and then you can go out and ease into that first, first mile. And, and, you know, I mean, it's not hurting anything. It's probably helping anything. But, you know, if you don't like it, just, you know, like I said, I mean, maybe, maybe try to find a different routine or a different setup, different mix of movements that would help you. 
or that would, that would be tolerable for you. And then it's probably going to help you. So I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, I do. I do my, my warm up just about every single morning. Uh, last question from Mona. Are you prepared for Halloween? What are you, what are you guys dressing up as? Um, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not dressing. I don't, I say I'm not dressing up for Halloween. Ask Rebecca. I, I think I'm probably doing Addison's going as Hermione Granger. Uh, cause she just finished reading the, uh, the seven, Hermi- uh, seven Hermione, the seven Harry Potter books. Um, and so, so she's, she's going as Hermione. Um, I think that Rebecca is going to do some type of, you know, like custom shirt situation. Like she got a couple of cheap shirts and she's going to use her little crafty cricket machine to put something on the front of a shirt that is something Harry Potter related. And that's, I guess, what I'll wear. Um, left to my own devices, I won't be wearing that. Um, but you know, some some fights, some some issues in the uh, the marital relationship aren't worth making into issues. So, if there's a shirt on Halloween Day that's got something about you know my wand or Quidditch champion or something, then I'll wear the damn thing and roll my eyes about it and try to maintain harmony in the household. Um, and if there's not a shirt, then I'll just probably wear, you know, just whatever, some random running shirt from who knows how many years ago. That's that I still wear like the one I'm wearing right now from 2014. So, you know, we'll see to be, to be determined. Addison's going as Harry, as not as Harry Potter, but as Hermione Granger, that's all that really matters. As far as the rest of preparing for Halloween. No, no. Um, it's still September. We're not preparing for Halloween just yet. Um, but if that's your thing, Hey, you do you, you know, it's all good. It's all good. But thank you for the questions this month. As always, Ms. Mona, uh, next question from Sherry. What are some things a newbie might not know to do in preparation for and on race day of a road 50 K. So, you know, Sherry, I think this is one of those questions where it's like the simple answer is, you know, don't, don't really do anything differently than what you do for your marathon. Cause you, you add in, into the question that, you know, you've run several marathons, you're on numerous marathons, but this is your first 50 K. Um, don't, don't do anything too different, but at the same time, like, like this isn't a marathon. Okay. And, and, and while lots of people have said, and I may have said once or twice as well, that like, if you can do a marathon, you can do a 50 K. And I believe that I don't necessarily think that going into your first 50 K with the expectation of it being just like a marathon is good. Meaning you're going five miles farther. So there's that. And, and the fact that it's a road marathon or road 50 K instead of a road, instead of like a trail 50 K, I think that makes it a little bit tougher to, to, to separate the two, right? Like for me, I'd run several road marathons and then I was doing my first 50 K, but it was a trail race. So it was easy to be like, this is just a completely different thing. But I think as much as you can going into it as a completely different thing is the thing to do because you might walk a little bit more like maybe for you. And I, I don't know all your details, Sherry, and it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But maybe for you, the idea of walking during a road marathon is like, oh, God, no. Like, I wouldn't do that unless I was having a terrible race. Well, y- you might walk during a, a, a 50K. doesn't necessarily mean it's a terrible race. Like, go, like, just remove those types of thoughts. Remove worrying about your exact pacing and remove, um, you know, like, I, I just got to, you know, just pound pound six gels throughout the course of the, 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 the race. And that's all I need. Like, no. No, it's, it's an ultra. Now, again, it's, it's on the road, which, which is, which starts to blur the lines of, of still being kind of a lot like a, like a, a road marathon. Um, but like, you know, eating, you might 
might want to eat a little bit during the race. Now it might not be anything crazy. It's not like you're doing, you know, some 24 hour event where you really need to eat a lot, but like having a banana instead of just a gel or having, you know, my personal rule is never say no to potato chips on race day, like having a couple potato chips or, or whatever. Um, those types of things, like, don't just like, just because you wouldn't do that in a marathon doesn't mean you, you can't or shouldn't do that in an ultra. Um, even if it's quote unquote, just a 50 K, even if it's on, on the road and feels an awful lot like a road marathon, but, but the biggest, maybe the biggest thing is to not overthink it, right? Like I just told you a bunch of things to overthink and maybe, maybe the biggest answer is to, to just, you know, trust, trust yourself, trust your training, trust your body and just go and just go. Um, you might pace a little bit slower. You might walk a couple few times. That's okay. Um, you might eat a little bit more. You might not, you might, your nutrition plan might be exactly what you would normally do during a road marathon, whatever, but just, just kind of don't, don't overthink it too much. If you've done the training, you'll be, you'll be fine. Um, and if you get to that point where like, where this sucks, you know, do a little horse noise and walk a little bit. Um, and hopefully you'll catch that second win and you'll come through it and then you can, you can cruise along to the finish line. Um, but good luck. Good luck. It's it. I, I would say that, you know, if you decide to do more ultras, play with the trail a little bit. Uh, it's, it's a, that's, that really is a whole different experience. Um, but I think it's a different experience in a good way. So, you know, and it, and it's, it makes it a lot easier to really separate to 50 K versus a, a road marathon. Like a road 50 K is going to feel an awful lot like a road marathon, um, which may or may not be a bad thing. I don't know. It, it depends. But, uh, the biggest thing, like I said, don't overthink it. Just have fun. Um, you know, and, and just, just get out there and, and enjoy the race. Enjoy the race. Not sure that helped a whole lot, Sherry, but, uh, you know, again, don't, just don't overthink it. And that's, that's, that's maybe the, the best bit of advice I can give you. Uh, so good luck. Good luck. Uh, next question from Hildy planning on a trail 10 K in November and then a trail half marathon next year. And I'm wondering how different is the training from preparing for a half marathon road race? So, um, when it comes to, to training, honestly, Hildy, I wouldn't say it's much different at all. Um, you know, it's, it's still going to be 13 miles. It's still going to be, uh, you know, you still need to get a certain amount of time on your feet and get some good miles in and, and listen to your body, get a, you know, a little bit of workouts and a little bit of, of duration and yada, yada, yada. Like, like the training part, pretty much the same, unless you know that the trail you're going to run on is like super mountains. It's going to be a mountain half marathon. And then you might want to you know, mix in a little bit more specific stuff for running ups and running downs and, and feeling comfortable doing that type of thing. But assuming that the, the terrain of the trail isn't too gnarly, um, the training isn't that much different as far as what to expect on race day. Now, again, that's like trail conditions change from day to day. So, you know, like, like you never know exactly what you're going to get on the trail until you're out there. Um, so maybe some of the mental preparation, some of the goal setting, things like that, you might give yourself a little bit more of a, of a wiggle room. You know, if you, if you're an ABC goal type of person and, and for a, a road half marathon, maybe you got, you know, my, my, my C goal is to, you know, just finish. And my B goal is to finish in two hours and 20 minutes. And my, my A goal is to finish in two hours and five minutes. Like you might give yourself even wider berth. Like my C goal for the, tr- for the, the trail race is to finish. My B goal is to finish in two hours and 30 minutes. Um, and my A goal is to finish, you know, two hours and 15 minutes or two hours and five minutes or whatever. Like, like basically just depending on the conditions, you might be able to move pretty good. You might, not. <laughs> so, so, you know, as far as the, the mental planning, goal setting, things like that, it, it, that's where it maybe gets different, but the, just the physical training, pretty much the same, pretty much the same. 
if you can get on some trails, whether it's the same trails or not, I mean, I think that's a good idea because trail running definitely is a little bit different than, than road running as far as being careful of where you're stepping and making sure you're not, you know, tripping on rocks and picking your feet up a little bit more, things like that. Um, but as far as like a training plan, as far as mileage, things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically the same. I wouldn't, I wouldn't overthink the fact that it's a trail 10 K or a trail half versus preparing for a road half. Like it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, but, and it'll be fun. Hopefully have fun with it. Hildy can't wait to hear how those races go. Uh, next questions two from Lewis in his typical fashion, a, a serious question, then a, a less serious question. Um, first question, serious question. What do you think about Salazar's ban being upheld? Um, in case you haven't noticed a, 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 a theme here, Lewis, um, I haven't thought at all about Salazar's. I didn't even know that it was, it was up for debate as to whether it was going to be upheld or not. Um, I mean, I if just, I literally know as much about the, the, situation as what your question is, is, is the, the 10 words that you put there. I think it's good. I think that, that I don't trust anything that he does. Um, so, so yeah, uphold the ban. That's fine. Like probably good, but I don't care. I mean, I don't care if elite athletes want to want to try to cheat and if they get caught, they get caught. And it, you know, it's, it's, it seems, you know, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck and it seems like more and more of the, the athletes that get caught are, have some connection with Salazar. So, you know, maybe he's the one orchestrating it. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to convict the, the guy when I've, I literally haven't looked into any of the details or, and quite frankly, my opinion doesn't matter, but you know, like if he got, if, if he's associated, implemented somehow, then yeah, he should like, that's you, you do the crime, you do the time. Right. Um, but I honestly could care less. And I've already spent now a minute, thinking about it. And that's a minute more than I wanted to think about it. So great. Uphold the ban. Moving on, moving on. And I don't mean to dismiss that question, Lewis, but I just, I just don't care. I just don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. Um, funny question. How are those lessons in the book coming? I mean, like I've never really, I, 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 I'm not taking guitar lessons. Like I'm just kind of self-teaching, uh, via YouTube. Um, and I mean, I guess they're going okay. Like I haven't really been working on any new songs, just trying to refine some of the songs that I've been working on, especially some of the more tricky ones. Um, you know, like I'm not playing like super regularly, but I'm, I probably pick the guitar up three or four times a week. So I guess, I guess it's still going okay. Probably could actually use a refresher on going into some of the, the YouTube lessons that I've done in the past and, and just kind of refresh, make sure that, that what I think I'm working on is actually what I'm supposed to be working on as far as notes and chords and things like that. Um, but I, I mean, I guess that's going fine as far as the book, man. You know, same old, same old, which is not, which is, there's no update. You want to update on the book? There is no update on the book. You know, there you go. Um, one of these days I'm going to have an update on the book. I'm going to, I'm going to shock all of y'all. Just today is not one of those days. So thanks for the questions, my friend. Hope things are well. Uh, next question from David. What advice do you have if you're going for a PB and a half marathon, but for whatever reason you find yourself in the wrong corral or near the back? Do you give up on the idea of a PB? Do you try and run around the slower runners? use up energy? Do you try and wait until it thins out and then try to run faster miles than you've ever trained for near the end of the race? Great question, David. And something that, um, I do have some experience with. So, um, you know, for any number of reasons, whether it's a clerical error, whether it's whatever reason, like you could you, showing up late to a race and gets kind of getting stuck in a corral that, you know, you, you, you could have been farther up, but you can't be for whatever reason, like, like it can happen. And, and on the one hand, it's like, it's no big deal right? Like you're still running the race. You're still there. And, and if it's a race with a, with enough corrals that you're like starting farther, far enough back, of course 
your your time doesn't start until you cross the finish line or cross the start line, I guess. So like, you know, like the race might start at, at whatever, at six o'clock in the morning, but your corral might not start until 630. Well, that doesn't mean that you've already lost 30 minutes, right? You know, it, it means that, that the race has started and the first corral goes and everybody moves up a little bit and the next corral goes off a few minutes later and so on and so forth until your corral finally goes off. Whatever time it does, maybe it's three minutes, maybe it's five minutes, eight, 10, 30, whatever. Um, but your clock doesn't start until you cross the, the timing map, right? So, so in theory then, like you've still got just as good of a chance to, to run your race and, P, and, and set your new PR, your new PB, um, as you would no matter where you started. Except if you've been there, you know that that's not quite the case. And it kind of gets to your question because, you know, let's, let's just make up some numbers. But let's say your, your plan is to run um, a nine-minute pace, which would put you just under two hours for your half marathon, which would be a, which would be a PB, right? Um, you've, you've trained for it. You're ready for it. And now you're starting at a corral where the folks that are in that corral are, are you know, they're far, farther back. They're, maybe their, their average pace is closer to like 12 minutes, something like that. Nothing wrong with that, of course, right? It's all relative. But being in a pack of people running 12-minute pace kind of cramps your style if you're trying to run a nine-minute pace, right? Like, I mean, it's just like, it's just hopefully that just makes sense. So when that happens, if that happens, I think, I think you don't have to give up on the PR attempt or the PB attempt, right? You can still, you can still PB from, from, you know, from, from the back of the pack, um, but you're going to have to change your mindset. And the quicker you can do that, the better. So one thing that you can try to do is get, and, and this is going to depend on the race logistics. So this may not apply, but if you can, David, get to the race early enough that you can be at or very near the front of your corral. All right. Now, I don't know what race you're running and, and I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of, of non Disney races that have like real, like legit defined corrals. But I know for a Disney race, like you've got, you, you know, usually have 10 or 12 different corrals and like each corral has like its own little, like, you know, cutoff line. Right. And so if you get into the corral early enough, you can be right up at the front of the line, which means then when, when you start, you're not going to, you're, you're, you're basically not in the corral. Like you're in the corral you're starting with, but you're not going to be surrounded by runners that are in that group. So again, back to our example, you're trying to run nine minute pace. The, the corral qualifying time, if you will, or the, the sorting time is that folks that average 12 minute pace to 14 minute pace. Okay. If you're at the very start of that line, you're not going to get quote unquote bogged down. And I mean that with no disrespect to anybody running a 12 or 14 minute pace. Like you just, just think about the situation. You're not going to get bogged down in a group of, of 12 minute runners because you're going to be out in front of them all. Now you're going to catch up to the, to the crowd in front of you. That maybe is a bunch of 10 minute to 12 minute runners, which again, nothing wrong with being in that pace window, but for you trying to run a nine minute pace, like that's not helping you anything. Uh, but at least you'll get a little bit of, of, of clear air to begin with. So that would be the, my first recommendation is get there early, get as front of the corral as possible. Maybe even try to weasel your way up there. If, if there's already some people there and just kind of maneuver towards the front without pushing and shoving, of course, but just trying to move up to the front so that you're not, so you have fewer people to try to work through. Then when it comes to your race, if, if you're still going to go for the, the PB and I still think you can, and I still think you can be, be successful, maybe not having quite as massive of a PB as you'd hope to get, but I still think you can get there depending on, you know, if you're trying to PB by like three seconds, if your if your margin of error is small, it's going to be a challenge. Can you still do it? Yes. Uh, but if you, if you're, you know, if you, if you think that, Oh yeah, I, I can, I can get it by a few minutes, like then still go for it. 
Um, but when it, when you get into those those sections of the course where you're cl- catching up to some of the corrals that are in front of you, uh, with runners that are running a little bit slower than than you are are running, um, you've got to be, I don't know, like polite but aggressive. Uh, you know, like like you're not gonna you're not gonna be pushing people out of the way. At least you better not be. All right, you don't want to be that guy. Um, but when you have the opportunity to make a move, you've got to be aggressive about taking it. So if you get into a little bit more of a congested part of the course or a congested part of, of, um, you know, part of the route and there's an opening to get through that doesn't require, again, it doesn't require pushing and shoving or cutting people off, but you're probably not going to be cutting people off because you're going to be catching up to these people and passing them. So you don't have to necessarily worry about people coming from behind from you, um, but if you can, you, you might have to bob and weave a little bit, but when you see that opening, when you've got that chance to move up, move up, take it. That might mean that you're going to have less than even splits the whole way. You might have some, some miles, or at least some segments of miles where you're moving pretty good. It's going to be short, of course, but like you move here, good. And now you can kind of, kind of settle that into your nine minute pace and cruise. Then you got to, you know, you get bogged down a little bit. You slow down, you find the next opening, you move. You, you just need to be very aware, kind of consciously scanning the whole time for where are the openings, where are the less congested parts of the course. Hopefully it's it's a wide enough road situation where there's not a lot of bottlenecks and you can kind of like, yes, you're going to, you're going to probably bob and weave a little bit, which means you're going to end up, instead of being a 13.1, you might be a 13 and a quarter. You might be 13 and a half by the time you get to the finish line because of this extra bobbing and weaving, which obviously is going to minimize the, the, the chances of a PR or at least the, the, the amount of cushion that you're going to have over your previous best to, to what you run in that race. Um, but it's doable. It's doable. Um, I wouldn't do the whole wait until it thins out five miles in to then try to go, you know, hammer it for the last eight miles. Like, like, I mean, that's an option, but that's like the least good option as far as I'm concerned. Get to the, get to the front of the pack and at the start in the corral and then be, be, opportunistic with your aggression, but don't be a douche. All right. Don't piss and moan about how unfortunate it is that you're in this corral for one reason or another. Don't hem and haw about how slow everybody is around you. All right. They're all where they're supposed to be in terms of pacing, in terms of the logistics that have been set up by the race. All right. For whatever reason, whether it's your fault or not, you're, you're in this corral that, that you could probably be ahead of probably should be ahead of. But that's not anybody's fault. Maybe it's your fault. But if it's not your fault, it's not anybody's fault. It's certainly not anybody's fault that's around you. So don't be be huffing and puffing and sighing and come on, move. Like, what are you all doing? Like, they're all running their race. Respect that. You're running your race. It's You, you got an extra hurdle, right? You got an extra little thing that you got to work around as far as other people and, and getting through the congestion and stuff, you know? And if you, and if you don't want to stress about it, then yeah, then just give up on the PBE and just run and have fun. Stop for pictures, you know, depending on what the course is or, or talk to some folks or whatever, like find a different motivator than the PB, which, which sucks if that's the route it has to go. But, but don't, don't you dare be that guy that ruins everybody else's race by hemming and hawing or cutting people off or pushing people out of the way. Like, don't do that. Okay. But I do think if you want to go for it, I think you can still go for it. I've got a PB from the, the last corral, um, just, you know, and it's a good story, right? Like, like you almost feel like a little bit more of a badass when you, when you can do that, when you can bob your bob and weave your way through, you know, a lot more people and a lot more congestion and still end up with a PB. Like that's kind of awesome. 
and maybe just maybe you end up running faster than you thought you could. Now the time may not work out because you're still working you know, you're adding more distance cause you're bobbing and weaving so much, but like, it is kind of cool to be like, well, hell, even when it wasn't the best situation, I still did it. Like, so go for it, go for it. Let me know how it goes. Let us know how it goes. I, I can't wait to hear how it, how it shakes out for you, David. Good luck. Uh, now it's, it's that time again, as it is time every month for the Tom trifecta. We need a, we need a sound effect for the Trump Tom trifecta. It is time for the Tom trifecta. First question from Western New York. I will be heading into taper town in a couple of weeks as I get ready for my fall marathon taking place on October 24th between family and work. I can only run in the mornings during the week during the last week before my race. Does it matter if I miss some days of running in order to get more sleep? Are there any important runs I should be do? I should, I should do during the week before the race. So Tom, you know, it's kind of, it's a lot of overlap between questions today. This kind of obviously harkens back to Barb's question about the ideal taper. Um, but no, dude, nothing wrong at all with skipping a day or two of running in order to get some more sleep. In fact, some cases that might almost be the ideal situation that Barb wanted me to, to, to define for her. Um, that's what, that's, that's the name of the game. The name of the game in the taper is to refresh, recover, rejuvenate your body. Right. And guess what? Going out for four miles on a, on a Wednesday morning, like doesn't really refresh your mind. Well, maybe it refreshes your mind. It certainly doesn't refresh your body like an extra 30 minutes of sleep does. Right? So absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all with, quite frankly, there's nothing wrong with taking the whole week off. Not something that most of us would do, but nothing wrong with taking that whole week off and just sleeping in every single day to, to just make sure you're as physically rested and recovered that your gas tank is full come race day. As far as any workouts to do the week week before the race, I mean, not not really. There's nothing that's like vitally standing out. I mean, I would mostly just keep it easy. Maybe mix in a couple strides early in the week. Um, maybe if you wanted to run like one mile at like goal pace, just to kind of feel it on like Tuesday or Wednesday for a Saturday or Sunday race, like you can, I don't know that you need to, I don't know that you have to, I, I wouldn't consider it more important to do that. Um, but those are all just kind of things where again, it, like it's, it's all about mentally making sure that you're not going crazy in your head. So if you need to, to, to get a few runs in, mix in a couple of strides or a couple of like a, a faster mile here or there, like physically doesn't do anything mentally can do something pretty powerful. So if that's what you need, that's what you need. But yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with, with missing a run or two. Um, nothing wrong with cutting a, you know, your normal six miler down to two. Um, nothing wrong with any of that at all. Because again, the idea is stay loose, keep your mind from getting out of control, but recover and rejuvenate as much as possible. So it's a, a definitely a case where addition by subtraction makes all the sense in the world. So yeah, sleep in a couple days, don't stress about those missed runs and then get out there and hammer it on the 24th. Get that, get that, uh, that second marathon of the year. There you go. There you go. Make it happen. Uh, next question from Tom. Have you set any goals yet running or otherwise for 2022? No, not really. Not really. I, I I'd be lying if I said I didn't have the, the gears sort of starting to turn. Um, uh, but quite frankly, I'm more focused on what are the, what are the goals for the, you know, the last quarter of this year? as far as, you know, like, like what are some, some things that I can work towards to set myself up for a to start 2022 strong to finish this year? Well, um, and so if you asked me this question in October, there's a better chance that there would be something percolating. Um, but right now I'm more focused on starting Q4 strong and, and I'll worry about 2022 goals and 2022 ambitions a little bit, a little bit 
farther down the road. Um, hopefully there'll be some book progress. You know, maybe I'll get my, my blood checked. Um, but I wouldn't count on either of them for sure. And I'm probably not going to make either of them like a defined goal. You know, we'll just kind of see how those all shake out. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a, you know, I, I would say that, that more than likely there'll probably be a, another 2022 type of mileage goal. Um, hopefully more strength, more, more cross training. We'll, that didn't go real, real well this year. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll nail things down more as we go. Certainly into December, I'll have things nailed down a little bit more. Um, and as always, I'll, I'll share my, most of my goals. I may not share all of them. Some of them I like to keep closer to the vest, but, uh, at least, you know, some of the financial or personal goals, some of the business goals, you don't necessarily need, always need to share those. Um, but running stuff. Yeah. I'll be an open book when it's time. It's just not, not quite time yet. Um, although if you're already thinking towards 2022, that's not a bad thing either. I would just say, don't just waste the last quarter of this year worrying about 2020. Like think about what you want to do in 2022, what your goals might be. And then how can you use the next three months to set yourself up to start the new year strong? So, you know, I guess, I guess there's something in there maybe, but have I personally set any goals yet? No, not yet for 2022 to be determined. Last question from Tom. What is autumn like in Florida? <laughs> autumn in Florida. That's funny, Tom. I didn't realize you'd been working as a standup, but it's not, there's no fall in Florida. Fall in Florida feels like Christmas, not Christmas to you, of course, but it feels like, like that's when it's, it's kind of fall where it's almost chilly in the morning. Sometimes where you, where you, you have to actually look at the weather before you go out for your run, not to see how hot and miserable it's going to be, but should I wear my t-shirt or should I go no shirt today? I don't know. That's what fall feels like in Florida, you know? Um, and, and as a, as a northerner, uh, who lives down here now, fall in Florida is the most, is, is like the worst time of year because I think I've said this before, but fall is the one season that I really duly, truly, truly miss. I miss the chill in the air. I miss the crispness. I miss the, this, this, the crunch of the leaves, uh, just the smell, this, like, I don't have a good sense of smell, but the smell of fall. And if you don't know what fall is, you, you won't know what that means, but all of you northerner folks, you know, what, what fall smells like. And I miss that kind of stuff. You know, I miss, I miss the, um, the sweatshirt and the, the gloves and the vest combo. Um, which just like, just, that doesn't work down here. Um, you know, I, I miss, I miss the fall. Um, so you know, what does fall feel like in Florida? It feels like the summer and like the summer never ends until, you know, hopefully, hopefully by Thanksgiving, more likely by Christmas, it might sort of feel like, like fall ish, but it doesn't smell like fall. It's not as crisp as fall. There's no leaves like fall. It's just not oppressively hot for a few weeks, which is appreciated barely holds a candle to real fall. And so those of you that are getting some real fall now or will be getting it soon, please enjoy it for me. Please don't, I mean, you, you can feel free to rub it in a little bit. That'd be kind of mean, but you can, you can do that. Um, but definitely enjoy it. Definitely enjoy it because I, I miss it. I miss it for sure. Uh, but thanks for the, thanks for the trio there, Tom, as always hope things go well and, and good luck with your race. Can't wait to hear how that goes in, uh, you know, another few weeks. Uh, Four questions left. Two from Michaela, two from Barb. First one from Michaela. How do I reintroduce other subjects into my daily conversation? I fear running may have taken over. Um, I, I'm going to answer your question with a question, Michaela, and be like, why do you feel the need to reintroduce other subjects into daily conversation? Like if you're talking to people on the regular that don't want to talk about running, like I don't need that kind of negativity in my life and like, kick them to the curb and get some more running friends. But in seriousness, like, like, I mean, whatever, like, like, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't talk about anything. Like I talk about running, uh, you know, maybe I talk about soccer once in a while. Um, that's about it. So I, I don't really know. I don't really know how to introduce subjects other than running. Actually, my, my, my real answer to the question is try to eliminate conversations from your life. If you can do that, problem solved, problem solved. And, you know, outside of talking to Rebecca, like I don't talk to people. Like I talk to Kate on Saturdays, but let's not kid ourselves. Kate talks to me on Saturdays. Um, I talk to the dog and then like I talk to Addison, but like, you know, she's talking about whatever nonsense television shows that she's watching. So I don't really, it's just, it sounds like when she talks to me about a lot of that stuff, it sounds like, you know, Charlie Brown talking to the teacher. Like, I don't understand any of it, but I'm just like, yeah, cool, dear. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. I don't. Um, so yeah, I mean, I talked to you guys about running, like that's, that's like 90% of my conversations, even with Rebecca, like I talked to Rebecca, of course, but like even with her, like half the time we're talking about running stuff and then half the time she's talking about school stuff. And then, and like, I try to pay attention, but like, I don't, I I don't like to talk about, I don't like to talk. So I don't know. I I think I'm, I'm making myself worse than, than better with this answer. But like, if you can just eliminate non-running conversations like that solves the problem and whether that means you got to find new friends or or find fewer friends you know addition by subtraction didn't we just talk about that with tom addition by subtraction there you go (laughs) oh man sometimes i feel like i should go back and re-edit you know edit some of these things because i'm like god i i just made myself sound like a terrible person i think this might be one of them but you know it is what it is you know what you see is what you get around here there's there's no there's no facade that I'm a good person. You know, at least I, I hope there's no facade. Anyway, next question from before I make myself, before I make it any worse, let's go on to the next question. Uh, what if one of your athletes that isn't in the, the works or the, the kitchen sink or the, the concierge, whatever the new level of coaching is that, uh, you're going to give me a chance to talk about that. So thank you, Michaela. I appreciate that. Um, or even, you know, somebody who's not one of your athletes, but just a listener and would like to, to, to run with you, you know, like, how would, how would it go about to run a race with you? Would that be possible? How? So kind of a, a loaded question that I'll try to unload a little bit. So in case you haven't heard, which I think you've probably heard, cause I've mentioned it a few times. Um, but I'm working on this, this new level of coaching and one of the perks, it's a high, it's a high level. I'm not going to, not going to pull any punches there. Um, but one of the perks is that I'll show up a couple times a year to a race to run it with you, to pace you, to crew you, like whatever it is, whether it's a, it's an ultra marathon, whether it's, I don't know if it would make sense to do it for a 10 K, but if you were like, or a five K even, but like, if you're just like, I want to see this guy suffer by making him run a five K with me, like I'd do it. You know, the price would be like, that's what you're paying for. Right. We'd figure it out. Um, but you know, would that be possible for non, for folks that aren't at that level, whether it's, it's my athletes, other, you know, folks at the coterie level, folks, at the one-to-one level, um, or, or folks that, aren't coached by me at all, but you listen to the show, you, you'd be like, hey, I'd love to have you come run with me. Um, the answer is, would that be possible? Yes. How kind of not sure yet, kind of to be determined, kind of a case by case basis based on, you know, maybe, maybe, and I don't, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to paint myself into a corner. Cause it's something that I've, I've thought about a little bit, but I haven't like, like really thought it out yet as far as what the costs would be, how it would work. Um, you know, like, like if we're just going to run the same race together, but we're not like running together, like that might be one thing. If we're actually going to run the entire race together and, and, you know, like me kind of being there to work as far, like 
not that it's work, but you know what I mean? Like, like if I'm, if I'm quote unquote on the clock, because I'm pacing you, like we're trying to, we're, we're running, I'm trying to help you run your best race as opposed to, we're both just going to meet up at the start line. We're going to run and we'll, we'll meet up again at the finish line. You know, like, like there's, di- there's a few different factors, several different factors, a bunch of different factors that would be considered. Um, so it really would be a case by case situation. Um, but you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm a businessman, right? Like I, if there's an opportunity. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, and it's not like, I'm not going to try to rake you over the coals to, to, you know, cost, cost all the monies. But at the same time, like if I'm traveling to, you know, wherever to run a race with you, like, and that's the purpose of me going there is to run with you. Um, you know, like that's not free. Right. So like whether it's covering costs, whether it's, it's, you know, whatever, like there's something involved with it. Um, and obviously that's, that's baked into the new coaching level price point is that you're already, you're kind of prepaying for those things. And then, you know, it doesn't cost you anything on race day because you've already paid for it. So, um, so yeah, is it possible? Sure. Would I, would I love to have people knocking down my door being like, dude, can you run this race and that race? And this, like, I'd love it. Um, first, first dibs will go to the people that are in the new level of coaching, right? Cause they're already paying for it. Like they're already getting it. Like that's already got to deliver to them first. Second dibs, as far as scheduling, making it work out would probably be folks that I'm coaching at the, at the other two levels at the coterie or at the one-to-one. Um, and then if, if it still works out and somebody else just wants to, wants to make it happen, we can figure it out. You can figure it out. And obviously again, location, duration, things like that. There's, there's variables that would go into it. Um, but yeah, anybody who's interested in, in me showing up and being your personal pacer on race day or your personal cheerleader or a little bit of both, um, we, the, the door is open for those conversations. Um, and we can try to figure out something that makes sense for everybody. All right. So if that's you, Michaela, let's, let's talk, let's talk. Um, but, uh, certainly no pressure, but appreciate the question and, and appreciate the chance to let me talk a little bit more about whatever we're calling it. The concierge, I like the concierge and I like the works. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll nail it down when it becomes official and it's getting, getting close to being official. Um, but, uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for the questions. Uh, last two from Barb. How about a few tips to give you an edge in a race? Any little tricks or practices that will benefit you on race day? So, I mean, Barb, like, like, and, and, and I'm not trying to dismiss your question. There's so many that, that there's no way that I could think about all of them, but here's, here's a few, right? Have a plan, but don't be too specific. So kind of know what you want to do. I think we talked about this in, in a recent do a recent quick tip. Was it a couple weeks ago? Maybe, you know, kind of having, a, having some loose plans, having some loose guidelines, but trying not to meticulously plot out every single mile for your race. But like, I know where I want to be at, you know, after the first 5k and after the, after the 10 mile mark and you know, like have a loose plan, not be too specific, start slower than your goal pace, then settle in and cruise. That's why I like to have like a, maybe a, a, a 5k mark, at least for like a half or a full marathon. Like I know at the 5k, I want to be at whatever at 30 minutes. Maybe your goal pace would be nine minute pace would be 27 minutes. Um, but like if I'm at, if I'm at 30 minutes at 5k, I'm good. Then I can settle in to that goal pace, settle down closer to nine minute pace and then just cruise. So, but definitely start slower. Like, like, and I know some people will tell you, you don't need to try to, to negative splits and yada, yada, yada. And, and I mean, you don't necessarily need to, but I feel like you have more room for error when you go out a little bit slower then settle in and give yourself a chance to kick it at the end, uh, versus, trying to hang on at the end, which is a lot harder to do. Not impossible, but harder to do. Speaking of the end of the race, don't drop the hammer until you can literally see the finish line. 
All right. If, if you're on pace for a PR, you're, you're trying to, to, to really bring it in to, to finish the race really strong and, and, you know, and nail it. Um, too often I've, too often I've been the guy too often. I've also seen folks that, you know, they're going like a bat out of hell because they think they're close. They, they are, they're close to the finish line, but they can't see it yet. And then their mind gets the better of them. Or in my case, the mind gets the better of me. And like, you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing. And then you're like, Oh, I, like, I can't. And, and you can't, you can't maintain it. So you almost end up costing yourself more time because you start your finishing kick a little too early. There's something psychological and maybe it ties it psychological slash mental. I guess they're kind of the same thing, but when you can literally see the finish line, you almost guarantee won't fade. Once you start pushing by being able to see it, even if it's fairly well off in the distance, but you can see it and you can see yourself closing on it. Your, your, your body, your brain tells your body, Hey, we can get to that point. And your, your brain doesn't kind of like turn on the governor and, and cause you to slow down before you get there. So wait until you can see the finish line. You might be pushing it a little bit, but don't like throw caution to the wind. Don't drop the hammer until you can legitimately see the finish line at your race. Um, listen to your body. Trust what your body's telling you. You know, if, if your body's telling you, you can go a little faster, don't be a slave to your watch and be like, Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be nine minute pace. Now you may not want to go, go crazy in the first you know mile, right? Cause you, you, the excitement, the, the energy, that's why maybe start having a plan and starting a little bit slower is important. But once you're, you know, once you're at, at mile 15 of your marathon, like if your legs want to go a little faster or maybe at mile five and you know, whatever, but if you if your legs want to move a little bit, you know, don't, don't break into a sprint, of course. But don't be like, oh, well, you know, like I got, I got to force myself to stay at this nine minute pace. Maybe you're, you're a little bit more ready than you thought. Maybe you could, you could dial it down by another five or 10 seconds per mile and be just fine. So trust what your body's telling you. Likewise, if you're, if you're working pretty hard and you know, you need to back off a little bit, don't just be like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta maintain my pace. Like give yourself a little grace, slow it down just a little bit and see if maybe you catch that second wind or whatever. Uh, but listen to what your body's telling you. Um, and then my personal rule, take it for what it's worth. Never say no to uh, potato chips on race day. You know, I mean, something about that salty, fatty, carby goodness that just, you know, especially like a good, thin, uh, laced potato chip that just kind of disintegrates as soon as it hits your tongue. Like grab a, grab a few of those and mm. now you're going to have, you're going to have, uh, you know, potato chip burps, which isn't exactly ideal, but uh, ugh, never say no to potato chips on race day. May or may not be something that you want to adhere to, but that's a, that's a definite rule for me. Um, and then last but not least, most important tip, most important edge is to, to try to have fun, try to have fun, smile, enjoy it. Uh, you know, give the kids high fives, laugh when you see a good sign. Um, don't be so like locked in business, business focused only that you forget to have a good time out there. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's, I mean, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, at the middle of the day, like, we're doing this because we enjoy it, right? Like, like you're not, you're not paying your bills because of your running performance. In fact, you're incurring bills because of your running performance. Um, so enjoy it out there, make sure it's fun and everything else kind of, everything else will be what it will be. It may not always take care of itself, but it'll be what it'll be, but try to have fun. And, and there is something, again, something psychological about, you know, pain perception decreases, when you're smiling. So if it's, if it's a little bit of a struggle, if you're in that, that pain cave a little bit, if you're in that, this sucks phase, maybe to answer, add it, add a little bit to Hilda's answer from earlier. Um, 
but smile. Like, and that, that will, it's, it's proven that that diminishes your perception of pain and discomfort. So you smile through it and you're able to keep going a little bit better. And maybe that works you to, till you get to that second win. And then you can, you know, drop the hammer when you see the finish line. So there's a few tips. There's probably thousands more. Um, but in an effort of not making this a 14 hour podcast, um, we'll just give you whatever that was. Seven, seven is good. Seven is a good number. Uh, thank you for that question, Barb. And last but not least, the last question from Barb, I've come to love heart rate training and knowing that my training runs will be easy. How do you effectively flip the switch and really push yourself in a race? So, um, first of all, Barb, I'm glad you're enjoying heart rate training. It, it, it really is something that, that, uh, can take a little while to really embrace, but once you do it, like it, it really is nice to just go out there, run and not feel like you're, you're wrecked every single day that you go run. Um, when it comes to race day, flipping the switch, it, uh, it's, it, to me, it's all mental. All right. Like, like when, when I tell myself that it's race day, like I'm, I'm going to race, right. I'm going to run faster. I'm not going to worry about my heart rate at all. Um, so it's not like I need to, to flip anything physically, like physically I'm there physically, like, like your body doesn't forget how to run fast. doesn't lose its ability to run fast. Um, and when you've been heart rate training, you build up that aerobic engine, you're able to better maintain that speed. Your, your endurance improves. You're able to maintain that speed relatively longer. Um, and so it's just a matter of like flipping the switch mentally to say like, all right, like I'm probably going to be a little bit uncomfortable at various points. Like it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be that, that ho-hum, no big deal. Like every other day is right. Because I'm pushing it. I'm racing, but because it's a race, because there's more excitement, because there's more adrenaline, because the atmosphere is better because there's other runners there. Um, it's not something that I usually struggle with. You know, and, and, and one thing that I will do on race day, and, and again, this might be something that, that works for you. It might not, but like I change the display on my watch so that I'm not seeing my heart rate. I'm not seeing my pace. I'm not seeing any of those things that might question whether or not I can do this. Right. Because if I'm used to running at 10 minute pace at 120 beats per minute, which is pretty, pretty standard windows that I'm in for my, most of my runs, um, and then on race day, I'm running an 845 and my heart rate's at 150, like, which is also pretty standard. Um, I can sit here and tell you that like, oh, that's no big deal. But if I see that at mile 16 and I feel like I'm struggling a little bit and it's like, oh shit, like, yeah, no, no kidding. I'm struggling. Look at what my heart rate is. All right. I'd rather be able to look at that afterwards and be like, damn, look at me go. So I just turn it off so I can, all I can see is my, my total distance and my total time. So I know I'm at mile 16. I know I've been running for two and a half hours or whatever it is. Um, but at that point, I'm not going to probably do the math to try to figure out exactly what that means that my pace is. And I certainly have no idea what my heart rate is. So I'm just listening to my body, you know, back to your tips that I just gave you. Trust your body. Trust what your body's telling you. If my body's telling me that we're good, then we're good. And, and basically I just have to fight myself, not to flip the switch, to push myself during the race, but I have to fight myself a little bit more to not allow the switch to flip back and kind of give up on myself, which again, it's just mentally, mentally. So, you know, just, just, just trusting that like that your training works, that it, that it does work and it will pay off and you'll be able to, to really push yourself on race day. Um, like that's, that's the key. And if this is like your first race that you've been doing since you've really gotten into heart rate training, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Admittedly, it's a tough one. But once you see it play out a couple times, once you're like, well, holy crap, like I just PR'd and I, I, I haven't, I haven't trained 
at, you know, two minutes slower the, the whole last six months. And then I just went out and dropped two minutes per mile off my pace and, and PR'd in this race. Like, wow, it really does work. Once you see that, once you've experienced it, it becomes a lot easier to flip that switch mentally and just trust that all these, these quote unquote, easy miles that we're doing, that it, they work, that they pay off. And then you mix in a speed workout here and there and like, mm, butter, butter. So good luck, Barb. Lots of, lots of race questions for me today, which makes me think that you've got a race coming up. So can't wait to hear how it goes. Hope you have a great race. Um, and that is that folks. That, there we go. Look at us less than two hours, barely over an hour and a half. Look at me getting concise with my answers in my old age. Daggum. I'm pat, I should pat myself on the back. Uh, first of all, though, I should pat y'all on the back. Thank you for the questions. Cause without your questions, we don't have these, these, uh, answers. We don't have questions to answer, I guess. So, uh, thanks again for that. Uh, what do you think? You like them? What did I get right? What did I get wrong? Uh, let me know at disruns on Twitter at disruns on Instagram. You can also send an email to disruns at gmail.com. You can also head over to the show notes for today, which you can find at disruns.com slash nine, eight, one disruns.com slash nine, eight, one. All the, uh, the, the memes and gifs for just about every single question. So got that comment section down at the bottom. We've got a few links mixed in throughout the, the, the episode today. You got the tailwind link for Ryan. Um, so yeah, we got, we got some things mixed in there. Uh, check it out if you're so inclined. Dizruns.com slash 981. You can leave your feedback in the comment section as well. And uh, don't forget, if you want to get your questions featured next month or the next month or the next month or as long as the podcast is continuing to go, which is no plans on stopping that, there's no plans on getting rid of the Q&A episode. So get yourself into the Facebook group, Dizruns.com slash Facebook, or just search for the Dizruns tribe over on Facebook. Click to join. We'll let you in. And, uh, you know, when the question post comes out, do your best or, or do your worst, however you want to look at it. And uh, we'll answer them for you. Maybe seriously, maybe not so seriously, maybe a little bit of both. But uh, always happy to answer your questions. And not just when it's Q&A time. You can ask a question any old time. Uh, we'll answer those as well. But always love seeing all the questions filter in for the Q&A. So thanks to everybody once again who left the questions. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, if there's a question that maybe you think somebody else might benefit from hearing the answer to, uh, point them to the show notes or, or even better, Hit that share button on your phone, on your device, whatever you listen to this on right now, and uh, send it over to them. You can send it usually in like text messages, Facebook messages. You can send it however you want, basically. Uh, and they can listen in and uh, appreciate you helping to spread the word. But uh, anyway, before I before I yammer on and we get to two hours, let's just wrap this one up, shall we? Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening. Thanks for the time and the attention. Hope you enjoyed this one. Again, thanks, everybody, for the questions. Until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks again, again, again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? See you guys.